0: My name is Gunnar. I play in a local Austin band called The Big Gun Show. I created this podcast to sit down with other songwriters, musicians, artists, and lovers of music to talk about their top five records that have inspired their lives and musical prowess. Today I'm rapping with Johnny Gowdy. He's a staple in the Austin music scene. He has his own podcast called How Did I Get Here? Uh, He's been in multiple bands. Uh, Mr. Rocket Baby Gowdy now performs under his own name. Uh, One thing I didn't know know about him is that he lived in Mexico. And I sure do love Mexico. Uh, We talk about how my bloody Valentine uses a ton of loops and it's hard to distinguish if what you're hearing is a guitar or if it's keys. Um, He describes their sound as a symphony of noise. We talk about Tom Petty, how he was on the verge of becoming this amazing songwriter but still had this aggressive youth mannerisms. Hey! uh, And um, let's get to the conversation. But first, close your eyes. You're stranded on a desert island. What five records do you have? Ladies and gentlemen, here is another episode
1: of the My Top Five Records podcast. I'm excited tonight to talk, or today, to talk to my good friend Johnny Gowdy about his top five records. How's it going,
2: Johnny? It's going well. Uh here's what's here's what's weird is that I, I have been listening to so much music. And like, I mean, have you been doing that through this quarantine? Like you've got all this time and you're like listening to records you haven't listened to in years and like rediscovering stuff and finding new stuff. And
1: When I do this podcast, Johnny, I have to listen to, I I refuse to not listen to all of, so what I I do is I, I go into Spotify, I favorite the album. And so now I have this like epic and I've started a playlist on Spotify. For like all the everybody's favorite album, I take a, one or two songs of every one of their albums, and it's going to be on, the, on that
2: playlist. Do you judge people by these albums?
1: Well, by you of list? course, you of course, I'm going to. No, I don't. I, I mean, I love, I love hearing what everybody has to say. There's, it, it's crazy the reasons why people pick albums, and yeah. I, I just, you know, it's it, it's fascinating to me. There's certain ones I just don't get. I Do don't, you, I don't right. understand Joni Mitchell. I can't. I'm trying. I, I can't get it. So that's just, I mean,
2: I think when you're a profound, profoundly Stones guy, it's hard for you to get. Just like it's hard for me to get death metal because I'm a profound Beatles and like, yep, pop guy. It's hard for me to to get death metal.
1: I, I don't get it either. Yeah. Um, I actually, I do kind of get. The, you mean the? <inaudible> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't understand that at all. I understand metal to a certain extent
2: because it's kind of, it's a little bit more basic musicianship. Yeah. Let me ask, can I ask you a weird question? I'd love it. There's a question I wanted to ask before it was lost on me. You said you got everyone's records and you listened to all these records. Do you, uh, have you found a line through like something that everyone's taking with them to listen to forever? Is there, is it like a record from when they were five? Is it a record? You know what I mean? It's
1: different for everybody. Okay. Like Patrice Pike was like, you know, these were all before I turned 24 or something like that. Uh, yeah. Chuck Plank and horn was like, you know, Oh, I was, some people can, I, I've started asking people, go and listen to the album again because our conversation will be way You better. You,
2: you were very adamant about that.
1: Well, I, I, I didn't try to be adamant. I'm just, no, no, no.
2: I think it's good. It makes it better. Yeah, of course it makes it better. Well, I've been well, listening to them like, all five of mine every day, uh, like getting ready to go for my walk, on my walk, and like cleaning up the house. I've been doing spring cleaning, so I've been listening to all these records again. Awesome. And sort of Can like I- trying to find out what it is that I, you know what I mean? What is it I about do. this record that another record doesn't have? I, I love it.
1: I cannot wait for our conversation. Okay. So let, let's dive into it. So I've got your top five, not in any specific order, but... My Bloody Valentine, Loveless, uh, The Beatles' Magical Mystery Tour, uh, Tom Petty, Damn the Torpedoes, awesome. Uh, Intervisions by Stevie Wonder and I'm With Stupid, Amy Mann. I'd never heard of Amy
2: Mann. Really?
1: No, I hadn't. And so I'm glad. See, this is another reason why I'm happy to do this podcast. So we've got your five records. Where are you going to take
2: them? I'm going to take them into my quarantine. There you go. Yes. just going to, in my apartment, I'm going to have five records. By
1: yeah. myself, and that's all I'm going to yeah. do for Yeah, the yeah. entire quarantine, for the entire lockdown martini. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll, let's start off with Loveless. Now, okay. I, I'd heard of the band. Uh, I know that it came out in, oh, it was 91 mm-hmm. is when, when it came out. Um, and I, I did a little reading on it. Like, they went to like 19 studios. It was rumored to cost like over $250,000 or pounds. Yeah. Which at the time was way more expensive than dollar. Right, right. But talk to me. What's awesome about this album? Why is it in your top five?
2: Um I, Okay. As as an entire piece, there there are there are things in there that you don't you don't know what anyone even is saying once in that record. I, I couldn't agree more. The volume um, the, the vocals are like so pulled down in the back. Yeah. If you okay, so I got turned on to this band. I used to use a lot of pedals. like in, in I used to use a lot of different pedals. I had a mm-hmm. very washy guitar sound. I wanted the other guitar player. I, I was in a lot of bands with two guitar players. Everyone, everyone. I had a bass player with a huge pedal board and things were... Fa- I, like I just wanted this onslaught of wash. And I had heard bands like Lush and Ride and Sonic Youth. Right. But somehow... I had seen this album and for some reason, didn't really read what they were saying about it, but just judged it as it must be a terrible band if it's named after a terrible horror movie. (laughs) And then my friend, Lance Schreiner, who now is married to uh, to Sarah Hickman. One day we were at my house and we were like listening to records and shit. And he was like, and if you like all this music, where's your, my bloody Valentine. And I was like, what's that? And he was like, without just go get it. And so I got it. And okay. So what I connected with in this record was it, it sounded like everything I had heard in my head. It was like this onslaught uh, to me of taking like almost loops of incoherent instrument. Like you don't know exactly what's a guitar and what's a synthesizer.
1: Totally. Totally. I was going to ask you that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he plays with his, uh, he plays a lot pushing his whammy bar down when he hits the guitar. So there's a lot of Uh And, uh, there's something about the onslaught of all of that shit going on that to me, it's almost like this symphony of noise and it, it takes you into this state that's almost hypnotic and dreamy it that to me is the dreamiest album there is really yeah and it's funny because it's influence it's influence you can hear right from the get-go that billy corgan from smashing pumpkins listened to this band radiohead too oh yeah yeah i don't know and my my old band Gaudi. i don't know if you're very familiar with them Love there, Gowdy. There's there on that on Peep Show, there's a particularly one song, Shy, which I wrote with Lance Schreiner, who turned me on to my Bloody Valentine. Awesome. I play with my whammy bar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a shitload of guitars playing these kind of augmented chords. Not augmented chords, but like chords that are different than just a straight right. D. It's like a D with no fifth or something. Right. You know? Anyway, so yeah. So, so that, that, that record and the sound of it had a profound impact on me. And as, as a whole listen, there's no – some songs don't really end. They just kind of back into some weird small little piece of backwards guitar and synthesizer strings with, like, somebody playing toms and shit. And I don't know. To me, it really – it speaks to me on the level of, uh, of my love of dreamy music, like the Cocteau Twins and stuff like that. Like Fair I was enough. always a big fan of that stuff.
1: Yeah, you know w- what I was reading up on is that you know it's, well, what you were saying about it earlier about is that you can't tell if it's like the keys or or a guitar. Uh, you know, I, I say yes on uh, what it's called on only I I only said that was uh-huh. on that, that that was like I was like is that a guitar? And then I started reading more and I read about the whole like you know what I mean the um, the whammy bar right. But it was also saying that there's lots of samples and drum loops that loops that he was using. So that kind of yeah. reminds me, you know, Beastie
2: Boys era with
1: uh, Paul's Boutique and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, that's true. It's a, probably like right after that.
1: Okay. Yeah. That was before. That was back before the. I mean, apparently Paul's Boutique would have been the most expensive album to ever make in the entire history of the earth. If just
2: because of the cost of the samples. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's another album, like, uh, you know what's funny? There's no, you named all my albums, there's no hip-hop on there.
1: I did not know that you were a big hip-hop fan.
2: I wouldn't say a big hip-hop fan, but I have, like, Kanye and Jay-Z and, uh, and uh, uh, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, um, and I'm a huge Beastie Boys fan. Mostly Paul's boutique. That's my favorite of their albums.
1: Well, "Licensed to Ill" is clearly mine. That's yours. That, that was my high school album, and we actually cover Fight for Right to Party" in my, in my band. Do you see? Do you consider this yeah. "Loveless" or "My Bloody Valentine" to be a shoegazing? Yes. Band? Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Shoegazer to me is like the d- dreamy side of music, and and to me, they're like them and that record is the epitome of that sound love that. I love how, how you just described. it. How did that. you, you said you had never heard it. What, what was your reaction when you heard it?
1: I was like, well, where are the vocals?
2: Right <laughs> yeah, yeah, off, yeah, yeah. Off,
1: yeah. off the bat, you know, I mean, they're really yeah. high pitched and pushed way back. Um, and then, uh, you know, I was like, well, okay, hold on. But, but it's, it, I, I didn't really picture it as dreamy. If I, would I go back and listen to it? See, this is the, the worst part about this podcast is now I got to go back and listen to these albums again after we've talked. Right. Because I want to hear your input on them. But, you know, I, I, I heard that. And so, you know, um, definitely I, I, I love the kind of the wall of sound that comes through there. It's, it's like just the kind of what you were talking about. It's like fuzzy guitars and, yeah. and, and strange noises. But, no, I, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't love it. But I, it, Not maybe, everyone it, does. maybe it's just because I don't get it yet. That's what I always yeah. say. I always say, you know, okay, just because I don't like it now doesn't mean that I, I, I can't understand it later.
2: Do you want to know something weird? I don't know if you read this in in your research of it, but there's more vocal tracks on songs than guitar tracks. I had no idea that some of those vocal tracks are like five done five times over.
1: You know what? I think I did read some, who's the the girl that was in the band. I can't remember her name. Yeah. Yeah. But she was like, I mean, they were using her as like an instrument.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Genius. You know, I drove, uh, I drove bandmates, managers, (laughs) recording engineers. Like after I heard that record, I was like, "Oh, well, that's where that's where the voice sits in the mix." And I drove everyone fucking nuts with it. It's too loud! It's too loud! It's too loud!
1: What's too loud?
2: (laughs) The vocal. Like you got to bring it down. It has to sit below. Has to be like just below the snare drum. (laughs) Are you fucking crazy?
1: (laughs) Do you still believe that? No, no, no.
2: Okay. No, so that I'm lasted sure. a couple years for me. Okay, just yeah. you, you get kind of hooked up in it.
1: <laughs> well, no, I, I enjoyed it, and I'm I'm glad you made me listen to it. Let's talk about um, Tom Petty. Okay. I mean, it's such a, a sorrow that he had to leave us.
2: Yes. So soon,
1: you know. I've heard all the stories about him on stage, jumping off amplifiers, doing yeah. like the, the 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 David Lee Roth off the off the amps and stuff with his guitar. But why this album?
2: Okay. Now, come on. All right. Uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers are a band I saw a number of times in my life. Hold on. I'm going to get you a couple of cool artifacts to show you. I would love to see your artifacts. Um, we'll have to describe them. You can describe them to the people. Oh, shit. Where's the... Hold on a second. There's uh, another group. But uh...
1: I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't cuss anymore, please. Oh, sorry. Is that bad? No, it doesn't fucking matter. Oh. Oh,
2: look at that. That's, uh, I saw him at the Hollywood Bowl. I saw them the first time. Uh, I saw Okay, them- by the
1: way, that was a, is that a, a backstage pass?
2: Backstage pass.
1: To 99 Hollywood Bowl.
2: Yeah. Echo uh, concert. Tool. Yeah. Nice. You know who I saw back there was Rick Rubin and he was wearing a turban. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that guy's a trip, man. He's, yeah. He's brilliant.
2: I didn't meet him at that show, but I did see it. Where are those other passes? Oh, well, anyway. Um, all right, let me tell you why that particular record. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of Tom Petty. Can I back this up from uh, I Heard American Girl, uh, wherever I lived when that record came out. I think I lived in California. Okay. They played that song on the radio station. Yeah. Uh, and I loved it. And, uh, and then after that, I loved all of his albums that summer of 79 before this album came out, don't do me like that was a single
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it was uh, the same summer as uh, I want you to want me, uh, cheap, uh,
1: trick.
2: cheap trick. Um,
1: and the, uh, what I did read about you
2: was that Cheap Trick was—is that your favorite band? Yeah, really? I know. And I'm not taking one of their records. It's really fun. That's this thing makes you want to shoot yourself in the head.
1: Well, I'll tell you my, my, my favorite album is, is she's tight.
2: Oh yeah. yeah I just love that song. Yeah. That song is great, man. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. Continue. That's the tour that I saw them on that, that made me, it was the one-on-one tour where they didn't have, the, it was the one tour or they did, I think maybe two or three tours that didn't have uh, uh, Tom Peterson. They got this guy, John right. Brand play bass. Anyway, back to Tom Petty. Please. So I loved his music. And when Damn the Torpedoes came out, I think that was the first Tom Petty record that that I, I bought. But when I started playing music was 1982. And uh, there was a lot a lot of music I wanted to play was orchestrated in this new way with synthesizers and drum machines and shit that you just you couldn't really do. And yep. then there were bands that were using these complex chords that in your first band in eighth grade, you, you don't, you don't have the wherewithal to, to get this shit. Right. But then there's Tom Petty who girls love. Right. And his songs are like G and fucking D and a minor and like, yeah. chords, you know, and you can strum, and play a Tom Petty song. And, so, and so there's this empowering almost like like punk rock spoke to people. You know what I mean? Like someone couldn't pick up a guitar and play a fucking yes song or a rush song. But someone could pick up a guitar and play like a, you know, Buddy Holly song. It's three chords, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or even a stone song, you know, maybe without the cool tunings or something like that. But you can something you can, you can, it. You can grasp it early on. And, and I, I really, like, I have to say, like well, my very first band, we, we played all covers and half of them were Tom Petty songs. So um, I, I continued to be a huge fan. I ended up getting to work with Ben Montench and becoming kind of pals with him. Yeah. And uh, as Tom Petty grew, I learned so many things about what a band means. Like when Stan left the band, in the mm-hmm. early nineties. And uh, all of a sudden they were a different band. There was a different feel. Steve Ferroni an amazing drummer, but whatever that thing, Tom Petty and the heartbreakers were that kind of ceased to be. And Tom Petty excelled as a master, master songwriter to where like, you know, the songs of, of the last, you know, 15 years of his life were some of the best songs he ever wrote. And there was a calm to his writing. But the thing is, is in the, in the early days, his songs were great. He hadn't l- reached that like Yoda level, but he had this fucking fire of like a young guy that would punch someone in the face. You know, like a I, I guy that would fight. Yeah. You know how he screams before guitar solos and all those ow, ow. records. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, that, that's what I love about him. That's so, yeah. so me. And there's straight up rock and roll, like straight up like three chords, like just like Century City. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that song, that's a song, that's a blueprint. You and me have probably written that song fucking 40 <laughs> times. So did Tom.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, you got to.
2: It just matters. You know what I mean? When you hit the right one, sometimes you hit the nail right on the head with that. It's so and good. So to yeah. me, to me, uh, Damn the Torpedoes is the apex of where he had started becoming the master songwriter, but still had that piss and vinegar of a young dude. <sighs> Love that. Yeah.
1: Lo- uh, hold on. I got to write that down. Um, Piss and Ben. Okay. Um, yes. So I know that Jimmy Iovine actually produced this record. Yeah. And I thought that was, that, that's really cool. Cause you know, I remember seeing him on like all these shows and stuff and he's like, Oh yeah. He, like he's a big band, but And apparently he is. So
2: well, you also have to, you, you got to give a lot of credit to this guy, Shelly Yakis. Okay. Who in the early days, like you got to remember, that's like you know, Jimmy had been producing records for like four years, and like I don't know if you know the trajectory of his career, but the first the first time he was in this, in the studio assisting on a session, it was Phil Spector on a John Lennon record. <laughs> uh, no,
1: I say I don't know that history. You par- like you know better than me.
2: Yeah, he walked he walked right in, and he had never produced a record. Uh, uh, Bruce Prince wasn't he like
1: mixing something. And then he like kind of, somebody didn't show up or something like that?
2: No, there was some record and Springsteen liked the drum sound and he hired him because he was the engineer. And he basically, I can't remember if it was Bruce Springsteen or it was Tom, it must've been Bruce first that he just basically said, no, 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 I'm going to produce this record. I'm bringing another guy to engine. And that was Shelly Yakus as well. Okay. He did Born to Run. And those. Great albums. Shelly Yakus, I think is the guy that made Jimmy iveen behind the scenes, like Jimmy iveen did walk in it, but he didn't really know. Okay. Well, but some people have an inherent sort of groove, you know what I mean? Like, if you listen to uh, to the Velvet Underground, that record with the banana on it.
0: Yes. You know what you I'm
2: know. talking about? Yes, I do. The record that sold ten thousand copies but ended up starting ten thousand bands. <laughs> to me, that that record. The production on it is fucking genius, and that 's andy warhol, and he didn 't play instruments; he just knew what was cool. You know what I mean yeah, I do and there are those kind of producers that don 't play shit, they just kind of know what 's cool, like hey, you know what that's cool
1: <laughs> no joke that's yeah i love I love the uh, ten thousand records and ten thousand bands that's classic
2: yeah. yeah
1: what else so but I mean, I do love so I, I think I understand, and let me go ahead your reason for picking this Tom Petty album, this specific one is because you feel like it was, you know, the ability to be young and aggro at the same time as being, understanding that, Hey, I'm about to take off as a songwriter.
2: Right. Whereas some might say that a song like free fallen is compositionally focus wise, just like a masterful thing. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have any, piss or vinegar he's very accomplished he's very calm yeah he's playing in time he's not getting excited about anything but he's still you see what i'm saying like there's that
1: i i I totally understand there's no oh oh
2: you know
1: yeah yeah yeah. there's no that there you know yeah yeah it's it's, it's more of a kind of it's it's more of a a song it's not more of a there's not there's not as much emotion
2: yeah and i can talk forever about that that band is one of the to me Uh, like the quintessential American band so far. Like, like literally like the band huh. that a band okay. that, that grew up on British and American music, but had this sort of groove from the South. You know what I mean? I, I do. Me, I do. To me, there's nothing like those guys playing together, like the stones, you know, or like cheap trick, but like there's a groove that Tom Petty and the heartbreakers have
1: it's uh, yes and it's it's like I don't know when they come on it. the radio you hear the guitar you hear a vocal it's just like i mean he's like one of those guys i always say what are your top five vocals you know you hear the you hear one one word who is it i always say uh Mick jagger um willie nelson and now i have to say tom petty because he oh, is yeah. that's like he's like one of those vocals that you can't deny
2: totally you know exactly who it is when you hear him yeah
1: yeah. Well, we, we all love Tom Petty. And if you don't, then you can just go ahead and turn this podcast off. That's what I'm going to say.
2: Yeah. I don't know anyone who doesn't like him.
1: You know what? I don't either. And I agree. It's, it's simplistic, but it's just, it's got this feel and this like desire to want to like sing along and, and just, it, and to be perfectly honest, like, what, I, I love Tom Petty and I've, I, I don't even know what most of the songs are about. I just listen to the feel of the music.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I think he's got very, uh, you know, you and I are close to the same age, are we?
1: Yes. I think we're two years apart, probably. I'm 49.
2: Okay, Okay, yeah, we are. are You're like 58, right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm 93. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. There's something about that time, too. Like, also, you know uh going back to the the way that that record sounds um that record explodes man
1: it does it does no doubt i mean it's, it, it it's incredible
2: it's huge sounding okay so yeah anyway i love i love him i love his music i saw him a lot of times what i was going to say is i saw him first in um uh, in 86 I saw two uh, heartbreakers Bob Dylan shows. Wow! Yeah, where they back? They opened for him and then backed him up, and those were those were amazing. And was good at that. Yeah, and then, we'll then I saw them. them I saw them at Frank Irwin Center on the. Uh...
1: In the two thousands.
2: No, no, no. I did see him in the two thousands, but I saw him at the Frank Irwin Center in. Uh... Nineteen ninety one in the uh, Eddie waited till he finished high school. Uh, you know yeah. that song? Uh-huh. That that was the that was the record they were touring on. And then I saw him in ninety nine, and then I saw them again in twenty twelve.
1: Twenty twelve, yes, okay,
2: that was the uh, yeah. Reason.
1: I mean, everybody loves Tom. You're right. Everybody loves Tom Petty, and I agree with that. Yeah, let's uh, move on. Okay, let's talk. Sorry. No, no. I, I love hearing everything that I, I want to hear everything you have. The to more say about I these listened
2: albums. to these records, the more I was like, oh, I wonder if this podcast is five and a half hours. That <laughs> would be
1: awesome. I, I, you know how easy it would be to do that. <laughs> it it's would. Like, it, if anybody that takes it as seriously as you do, it's it's super easy to do it. Um,
0: the Beatles. All right here we magical,
1: go magical mystery tour i'm just gonna go ahead and you know say i what i what, what i know about it is that and like i believe you're either Beatles or stones clearly you're Beatles. clearly i'm stones i don't want to fight about it
2: uh, listen i'm very stones well you're you're one or the other i don't think so i do
1: we can have this discussion another time
2: what do you think about this uh, real quick before we get into this? What do you think about the Paul McCartney agreeing with Howard Stern that they were better? I Stone- I, haven't, I haven't heard that. Oh, and then uh, the Stones dropped a new single last week, and this, yes, this person asked down. Mick Jagger. So what do you think of what Paul McCartney said? He was like, dude, we're still playing. Like, what, <laughs> what kind of competition is there? Those guys were like, They're, they've been gone for 50 years. Who cares? We're still going.
1: McCartney's still kicking ass, though.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He's, he's, he, I mean, if but so they um, do,
2: they do have that, uh, James Dean, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Jesus martyrdom because yeah. they died as a band. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, I dig that for sure. Um, but yeah, you know, I believe that you're either Beatles or Stones and if you are Beatles, you're either Paul or John. Right. Who are you?
2: Let me ask you, who do you think I am first? I'm gonna say Paul. Yeah, I am.
1: I think he's the talent in the band.
2: I think they all. I think they all equal talents. Um, so, Magical Mystery Tour. I remember I sent you Revolver first.
1: Yes, you did. That was and the record that I came listened, out right before.
2: I went through right before. I went. Sorry, I went through all three of these records that I consider my favorite: Revolver, Magical Mystery Tour, and White Album.
1: Yes. So. so
2: I went through and listened to them from beginning to end each of them. And that's why I wrote you back because I was like, Oh, you know what? I spoke too soon because in all honesty, since I was probably five magical mystery tour has been my favorite record. Mm -hmm. And I'm a huge, 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 huge Beatle fan. And when I listen to Magical Mystery Tour, I remember arguments that I've gotten into with people over the years, my friends in vans, uh, late at night in, in bars <laughs> after they close, where I'm like, I am not the world's biggest Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club fan, band, or band fan. I don't Got think it. that record, I wasn't there when it came out. I know it was monumental when it came out, but I don't, to me, the exploratory avant-garde Beatles records are those three. But the but the weirdest one of all of them, like Magical Mystery Tour, is just plain weird. You know. Uh, so
1: is Sergeant Pepper's.
2: Sergeant Pepper's is is weird, but at, to me, there's like a, a like. I think the fact just flying the song Flying, like they had yeah. an instrumental one, four, five that they turned into like a pop song. Like it has a pop melody. Yeah. And that's actually on an album. Like the people, like the guy that wrote yesterday also was a co-writer of this song that went, la, 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 la.
1: Right, 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 yeah, you know totally. I, mean? like,
2: I I feel like that in itself is weird. I feel like uh, Blue Jay Way is their most haunting song. Okay. Um. And and I feel like, uh, honestly, when I go back and look at their profound influence on my music, I find that everything that I've stolen from them is on that record.
1: Really? Yeah. Awesome. You know, I mean, so going back and listen to it, because, I mean, we all know that that I'm not, again, Beatles, Stones, whatever you want to call it, but I'm not the biggest Beatles fan. I I think that they write amazing music. I think they're incredible songwriters, but I have this like gumption and this desire to be more kind of ugly and, and, and riffy. ahead. their,
2: their records and songs don't, they're not playing from the pelvis.
1: Mm, Yes, you're, you're correct. They're playing from the The head. The
2: Stones are playing from their pelvis, like the cult. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Like, and I love that kind of music. But yes, this music is like a tugs on the heartstrings a little bit.
1: Right on. Okay, so I know that uh, I believe that what I, I believe that Paul McCartney was notorious for, like getting a bunch of songs together and going, "Okay, I'm ready to record." Yeah. And I think that's the way it happened here. And um, but one of my favorite songs in the album is "I Am the Walrus." You know, oh, that, Jesus, that's super, yeah. super well-known song and, and i i think i read that um he that john lennon wanted to have uh his vocals sound like kind of what what did he say uh he was using like a low quality mic to sound like mm-hmm. f- like it was from the moon i think is what he said
2: yeah 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 he wanted it to sound like it was from the moon or from my yeah, space when i like listen
1: to it i listened to it w- with these headphones on and i sit here and i and i basically sit on my couch and i, I turn off my phone fu- nobody can get in touch with me i'm, yeah. I'm here listening to the albums that's it yeah yeah done. And so I I did appreciate that. And I've always loved that song. So talk to me more about it.
2: The lyrics of that song also, I think that's the first time anybody ever did that kind of like weird, just free uh, association lyrics that just uh, give a feeling, but they don't tell a story. It's just this fucking odd collage of verbal images coming at you. <inaudible> I mean it, he makes up shit. Goo, goo goo goo. That doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean?
1: Neither does la la la. la.
2: Yeah. <laughs> or uh
1: and you do that a lot and y- and your stuff. You do a yeah. lot of
2: ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh yeah. Well a lot of the shit, like a lot of the backing vocals and the way that the backing vocals are recorded on that record, uh and the looseness of the backing vocals on those. I was like, there's not not a lot of perfection. I mean, they sound fucking great because it's the Beatles, but if you went in with auto-tune and saw what was happening with each of the notes, you'd be like, okay, that's why it sounds like there's a chorus pedal on this, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But they were singing through, like, fucking Leslie speakers and shit then, and, like, you know, they were doing all the things that, like, all the things that sort of I respond to sonically. Like, if you if you understand where, where, where I'm taking a record, like, uh, uh, like, like Loveless Mm -hmm. and this record, there's a part of me that needs things to not sound like they do. Yeah.
1: You know, for things to sound
2: just weird. And there's a lot of weird sounding shit on, uh, on, uh, on magical mystery tour.
1: No doubt there is no doubt there is like in hello, goodbye. Um, when you listen, it's a different experience when you listen to it with headphones. Totally, and it's it, so. And, and I love doing that because I love. I mean, you know, like when you're in the studio, I don't. I, I like to listen to it with headphones just because I, I want to make sure I hear everything. But for the whole panning effect and everything like that, when it's, it, it, I, like yeah. at certain times, like the, the I think one one of yours, it was an intervisions that we'll talk about that later. But I got I got kind of dizzy because the, it was panning like ooh, like this like that, you know. So yeah. Um, but yeah, but hello, hello, goodbye, the way that they, they were panning the stuff back and forth with the background vocals. It was like, you know, if, if you know what it's, I'm talking no, about. Yeah,
2: no, I totally, Hey man, I, yeah, y- you know, that era of record making, like the people that were making the records were starting to smoke weed and they were making records for people that, <laughs> that's that were still illegal in the state of Texas and smoking weed. Right, right, right. I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying I smoke weed, you smoke weed or anything.
1: Well, but, I might, you might <laughs> do it.
2: Pretty obvious that by my choice of <laughs> records that I've been smoking some weed. <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, honestly, I think I think that like people were getting psychedelic and they were yeah, wanting to hear sure. things in a new way, and you were getting. Even though I'm a huge fan of mono mixes from the '60s, I mean, I don't know if you do that. Like, you if know you, what? Like, though like, you know, I'd like
1: you to talk about that because I don't understand that as well as. Cause I've been talking to Kevin McKinney. He's going to do it. He's got like two mono, mix, like uh, access bold is love. I think mono mix. And I don't oh, yeah. understand the difference. So explain to me the difference in that. Cause I don't know. Well,
2: it's, it's exactly what you're saying in this time when they started being able to split the signal and move something left or right, uh, left or right. And I'm not talking about sort of like that. Uh, I don't know what, uh, what Stone's album sounds like this, but like there's Beatle records where you can turn your, your balance all the way to one side and you won't hear the vocals anymore. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but then once stereo things started happening, they started, they started being able to place things in like uh almost okay. like a rainbow. Right. Okay. Sound like stuff's like, it's, a,
1: it's not like on or off.
2: Right. And, okay. and, when you it. hear stuff through a monophonic speaker, there are songs like uh, The Who's Can't Explain. Okay. Listen to both mixes of that. And I listen, it, you can I even listen it to it on your fucking phone. Like, Okay. Did you just cut out on me? Uh-oh. You hear me? I hear you now. Okay. Uh, basically, like a mono mix doesn't spread out. It, I I get it. it it's just it's, going. It's it it. There's no spread. Same seven. in both ears. Same in both ears. Or if you can listen to it through one, it's the way people like before there were stereos in the seventies and stuff. People had radios that had one speaker,
1: like the speaker in the back of
2: Sea um, Boys. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. And that's that that's a beautiful sound like when you were a it little is. kid and you were riding in like a Chevy Nova in like 1974 and you heard like uh, Uncle Albert by Paul McCartney on there <laughs> and there's a sound to it where it's just this one little speaker and it it th- when you mix for that it explodes out of the one speaker. So awesome.
1: All right, what else? What, I mean, so I mean this, we've just kind of touched the surface on the Beatles. Um,
2: I was raised on the Beatles. My, 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 my I had young parents. I, I had young parents that were immigrants and they didn't know any, like I didn't learn songs like John Jacob, Jingleheimer Schmidt. Right. Until I went to school. Like I was raised on just like pop music and rock and roll. She loves me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. And I related to those records when I was young, but as I got older and especially when I started playing and recording music, there's something so exciting about uh, about the recording of Magical Mystery Tour going for on these songs and how they did shit and like, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, that- Strawberry Fields, like that, that thing that they recorded it a couple of different times and then at the end, John Lennon liked one and didn't like the other. And it was in a different, a little bit in a different key, like a half step up, and a little bit faster. So to to make the two pieces work, they had to slow one of the versions down. That's why in the middle of, of of of, of Strawberry Fields, it's like, "Let yeah, me take let you, you down. down." He sounds like he gained like fifty pounds <laughs> or something. Yeah, awesome. and all of a sudden the cymbals go like, because they're slowed down.
1: Oh, see, I did not know that. Yeah. I had to go back and listen to that again, too. It's
2: genius shit, man.
1: Okay. I want to talk right. about Amy Mann because I've never, I, I'd never, I, I might have. Maybe it was back in the day when I didn't really know anything. But um, I know that she grew up in Virginia. She went to Berkeley. She dropped out. Yeah. I know that um, that's what I know about her. And, I mean, I definitely hear her influence. Um, you know, especially in the stuff that you record. And yeah. when I say guitars and hand claps and that kind of fuzzy style. Yeah. So I, I hear that as something that has kind of touched you.
2: Very much. Hold on, let me show you this. We, you know, uh, you know, Peep Show by Gowdy. Yeah. You know, the song, When Will You Be Mine? The uh-huh. last song that kind of six, eight song. She's the one that sings with me on that.
1: Okay. So I thought. That when I heard You're Was Stupid, the song, I thought that was you on the on the background vocal.
2: I wish it was. Well, it, it sounded like it to me. You know, I think it's it's John Bryan, the producer guy. You know who that is? Uh
1: no, I do not. Oh.
2: Um, so Amy Mann. I first heard Amy Mann. Uh she was the lead singer of the band Till Tuesday. Yep, she was. And they had the song Voices Carry which I loved. And then they, their second record had this song coming up close, which I loved. And I bought that album. And then in the early nineties, she started releasing solo albums. She had one before this called whatever. And I was in love with her writing Mm -hmm. and her attitude in her writing. You know,
1: talk talk to me a little bit
2: about that. Well, there's an attitude like the the, I'm with stupid starts off with that song long shot. And the first line of the song is you fucked it up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like just somebody that has the fucking like self confidence to just come out with that sort of like, hey, and her lyrics are very much like that. Like she,
1: yeah, totally. she gets mad get at it.
2: people and lets them know what's what in those songs.
1: Well, you know, that's the whole kind of um, predicament, right? Is like, should I say that this to make a point? You know, you yeah. fucked it up, or yeah. hey, you messed it up. It's it's a lot more poignant to say. You fucked it up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, as far as my attraction to her, it's, it's like uh, I've always been a fan of female singers, uh, which is not reflected in my top five albums. Um,
1: but, yes, it is. 20% of them.
2: Yeah, 20%. But but I think that my taste, and, I, you know, if you hear me sing, I've obviously been influenced by female singers equally, I think, to dudes uh by the way that i you know what i mean i feel like no, I, get it. I, I feel like I it's totally a pretty it. equal influence um, uh when amy manns first solo album came out i freaked out and the thing is is that i was raised on that beatle music mm-hmm. and then as time went on i connected with bands like uh like cheap trick and then like as it went on like there were these bands that were sort of like uh Offshoots of the Beatles, you know, like from Badfinger on. You know, yeah, here are these yeah, bands totally. that are like trying to do that, just trying, just trying to be the Beatles. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely.
1: I always thought Badfinger was was um, Aerosmith. Oh, really? I, th- I think I did. Well, who knows? All right, keep going.
2: Anyway, so so uh, that that style of music ended up being referred to as power pop, and then that's the style of music that I fall into. Like, Tom Petty is power pop to me. Dwight Twilly really is power pop. Uh, uh, you ever listened to like Material Issue?
1: No, I ha- but from no, I haven't.
2: Michael Penn.
1: That's that's Amy Mann's boyfriend, right? Or Amy husband.
2: Mann's husband? Yes, and uh uh crowded house you know what i mean like crowded those house, bands yeah. that are just kind of like based in the beatles <laughs> you know uh those those bands and that style of music is this is is really the world that i i went into
1: okay so just, i need to stop you here for a second because I, I still don't understand power pop and this i love this okay explain uh, let me explain
2: more uh have you ever heard the producers or Jellyfish? No. Dwight Twilley, 70s no. guy? Okay. No. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Like, Just to, to, to kind of define it for me. I mean, power pop is. It's like a band who's rooted in the Beatles. Okay. Like there's backing vocals, there's harmonies, there's melodies.
1: Why don't they call it Beatle Pop?
2: Well, because a lot of times it's revved up. Like, Cheap Trick has been put in a lot of boxes, but the one they really only belong in is Power Pop.
1: Hmm. So it's a rock and roll band. Um, what, continue this. Rock and roll band um,
2: that. I Want You to Want Me is a Power Pop song. Like, that is a pop song, but it is a rock and roll guitar. Okay, is,
1: all right. I get it. You know it. what I'm saying? I get it i get it it's something that's it's very popular
2: yeah it's it's very it's it's rooted in beetle music like could, those chords
1: could you call it a uh a rock and roll a, a pop rock and roll
2: sure yeah okay all right i get it now yeah
1: Boom. But the power
2: right. i think the power is what puts the rock and roll in the pop Yeah. you know what i'm saying <laughs>
1: there, there you go i love it
2: but there's bands like the go-go's the bangles Yeah, all of these bands are power pop bands. They're bands that have those chords that you play. Even you know, Tom Petty stuff is kind of power pop.
1: Um, I would have to agree with that.
2: Yeah, there's backing vocals. Pop is
1: supposed to be popular, right? Sure. So I'm assuming you've seen Amy Mann play live. Oh yeah. What's her band makeup?
2: It's not. It's uh, over the last like uh, three
1: piece. No, no, no. Ten piece.
2: No, not 10 days. It's usually four or five piece. And uh, she was a bass player. She was the bass player and singer of, uh, and she plays a lot of instruments, but live, she does play mostly guitar. Okay. And sing.
1: Now, I just have to ask you this real quick. What do you think about that's just what you are being on Melrose Place?
2: Um, I was happy for her because she was reaching a wider audience. I think that was her most popular. Well, she did all the songs for Magnolia. Really? I did not know that. That movie Magnolia. Yep. Okay. Even the song that everybody sings, Wise Up, that's that's her song. Awesome. Yeah.
1: And I love the way the album, I was basically, after I was listening to it, I was sitting there still reading and stuff. And all of a sudden, boom, here comes this hidden track in.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah!
1: I did. I wasn't expecting it at all, and it just nailed at me.
2: So I think that's her and Michael Penn together. Is it? Uh, Yeah.
1: I need to look into Michael Penn a
2: little bit. Yeah. Oh, he man, he is. He's fucking amazing, man. He really is. He's an amazing songwriter, and they're 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 cool people. Like uh, a lot of also like. um, She's one of the first person that I had idolized for a long time that I got to meet and work with. And that it meant a lot to me. To, that's
1: that's really cool because yeah. I, I haven't. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying there, and and I haven't had that really experience yet to to be able to work with somebody that I, when when I'm saying work with somebody, I'm like write music or play with or, or, yeah. or whatever. Um, you know, so that's that that's that's awesome, and I understand why this could be in your top five for sure.
2: Yeah, and you know, I I. Luckily it, that's happened to me a couple of times in my life. Like, uh, I was a huge Bodine's fan from the time uh-huh. they came out when I was in high school. Yep. And now I go and sing those fucking harmony parts with Kurt in the Bodine's, which is, you know, it's pretty mm-hmm. weird. Like you look over and you're like, if Hero. I could go tell 17 year old me this, he would freak the fuck out. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yes.
2: Okay. Anyway, So Amy, man, amazing. So if you don't know, uh, Uh, I'm with stupid. It's a great record. I know she, she's also one of the first people before, before we move on, she's one of the first people that in the late nineties, like left her record label and started doing her thing herself.
1: Yes. I did read that too. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. You know, I think, yes, I agree. Totally. hundred percent. Yeah. Cool person. All right. Well, and it's cool that you have an awesome relationship with her. Let's move on to, um, our last top five record that you're taking to the quarantine forever. Uh, that's Stevie Wonder's Inner Visions. Now, yeah. I really enjoyed this album. Yeah. I still have a question for you. I mean, because I've had both Jeff Blankenhorn and Patrice Pike say that Songs in the Key of Life is their favorite album. I'll let you talk now.
2: When I was a little kid and this album came out, I lived in Mexico. And back then, I mean, it was 1972, 73. This was like a top five album thing. Like Uh when you went to Mexico, you didn't get to bring your whole record collection. You brought a few eight tracks. And uh, so from the time I was like four or five, that record with the exception of living for the city, because it scared me in the middle part where there's the talking and the guy gets in trouble. True that. Right. Yeah. And I didn't, like when he started screaming at the end, like I didn't, I just, it was, it was upset. Like the thing upset me. Like I was like, this, this guy, I don't know what's happening, but I don't like it. Uh, But otherwise the whole record, like the whole record, like, I mean, just the opening too high. And I mean, also, you know, man, that's him playing drums
1: yes no and he
2: is the world's greatest fucking drummer
1: not only that but he so what i learned from jeff blankenhorn is that he
2: he knows he, he will play any
1: instrument and record any instrument i think he recorded like six of those eight songs all by himself yeah and he he's he doesn't play guitar no he'll do everything but guitar and i, I was just like wow that's that's crazy i, I don't know why you would not want to but Maybe he's just not as good at guitar as he is at other things. Anyway, continue,
2: when, when you listen to him play drums, it's almost like Ringo. You know, there's like they don't play like these people are taught to play.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> they just totally. play
2: the song. They're just playing to a song, and like, dude, the his groove is unbelievable. Like, and I mean, think about that. He's recording that way back then, where there wasn't like he might have had a metronome i kind of doubt it though maybe because they breathe those songs
1: well you know what i heard was that like direct or what i read was that after like three days after the release of the album he was in the in the south i think it was in the Carolinas, someplace and he got in this like massive car wreck and something went it banged into his head you know oh, about really? this no yeah and then so uh who is it ira tucker was sitting there with him and saying like, oh yeah, and she's heard that somebody at that point they can't hear as well. So she would get in his ear and sing these songs. And then finally one time he she started like t- he started like tapping on her arm when he when or on his on her hand. Oh wow. And she was like,
2: Okay, he's back, he's there. Yeah. So yeah. Jesus. Uh there's a there's a great uh there's a great concert from this tour you can find on YouTube. It was like music laden or something like that. So one of those weird German TV shows, but everybody's playing orange amps okay. and he's wearing like a denim jacket, denim jeans and a denim like floppy hat. Okay. That's the only way I can describe it. Like you'll know it when you see it, because okay. that's what it looks like. But the drummer that he got to play on that tour was just fucking equally as good as him. But like, there's just nothing, there's nothing like that dude as it's like Prince or something. You know what I mean? It's I, like,
1: yes, it's nothing I,
2: like I, that guy just doing everything. I, I, I take it from him. He doesn't need anybody's help.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to say I love Moby, but it's kind of the same idea. Right. I love Moby. I, I do too, but I, I just don't love love anyway. Yeah. So, but yeah, I like, I know living in the city has that little scary part in the middle, but every time I've ever heard it in the past, I don't remember hearing it. You know, until you listen to the album, you don't hear the, the whole scary part in the middle. Right. But I, I love the way they, they were doing like the panning from the back and forth and how it yeah. attacks racism. And I was just like, yes, this is like so
2: awesome. Yeah. 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 He really, I mean, I, I, I feel like his socio political songs uh feel like personal stories more than some kind of preaching thing, which I think is pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, that's a hard thing to do. I mean, I don't know if you ever write socio political songs. I you can't. Know, I have a hard time.
1: I, I do too. I have a yes. I mean most of my songs that I write are gonna be more like, you know, hey I'm badass. <laughs> watch watch me kick ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um or, you know, they can be softer. But you know th- the stuff that he's going after with that and with like higher ground. I mean, this whole, this whole album is in my opinion, like, so, so groundbreaking in the sense that it's got like all these different things that it tackles racism, you know, higher powers and, and, and all of that. So that, that, that's what I really enjoyed about this album.
2: To me, Jesus children of America is probably one of the best like Jesus songs. There is.
1: I write Jesus songs, but they're not always they're not like that <laughs> they're, 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 I, I just I have a different
2: belief sure, sure And so I, I, f- I feel like I, I just man that that record top to bottom is just amazing songs. I agree. I, uh, who,
1: don't you who worry could, about that: could thing, not agree you
2: know it all and I,
1: I, I hope that everybody out there listening will agree with that too because it it, it is awesome i mean stevie wonder it's 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 crazy i just just the other day i started compiling all of the um albums that everybody i have done i've I've talked to on this podcast what their top five albums are and now there's like three or four from stevie wonder that's probably more than anybody else Hmm.
2: you know i think songs in the key of life i don't know well, and, by the time Songs in the Key of Life came out, I, I feel like there was... Uh, what year was that? 1976, 77. Okay. It had... Uh, I Wish, I think, and Sir Duke. Sir,
1: I Wish. Uh...
2: That was Johnny Gowdy.
0: I love how he said that the Velvet Revolver spent $10,000 on an album that created... 10,000 bands Now you can check uh, Johnny out On the old Inner web At uh, JohnnyGowdy.com That's spelled G-O-U-D-I-E um, On Instagram And Facebook His handles are the same Johnny Gowdy uh, He has a, a Facebook band page Also Johnny Gowdy Music And his podcast Is called How Did I Get Here Or How Did I Get Here um, You can find it on Pod, uh, Spotify Or uh, on Podbean and if you got the gumption, head over to thebiggunshow.com and check out what my band is up to these days. You can also catch us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all with the handle of the Big Gun Show Band. That's the on the, end, on the front band on the end. Our most consistent gig after the quarantine is going to be our monthly residency at the Little Longhorn Saloon here in Austin, Texas, home of Chicken Chip Bingo. We play the happy hour on the first Friday of every month. Bring grandma; she'll have a blast. I'll be back in two weeks, then every other week after that, close your eyes. You're back on that desert island again. What five records do you have? Until next time.